Hello and welcome to Sobriety Elevated, the podcast that is committed to empowering you in your recovery and elevating your sobriety. Join us now for the next episode. We hope you create an incredible experience. Let's get the show started. Welcome back. You are here with Jim Pakonin and my superstar co-host, Kevin Thole. And today we have an incredible guest. Allison, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Uh, my name is Allison Bliss, and I was married to an alcoholic for 18 years. Um, we were together for 21 years. As of this past August, we would have been divorced for 10 years. He passed away in June of 2020 of alcohol-related cancer. Mm. Oh, wow. How was it being married to an addict? Very, I want to say scary, but not in a like, oh, he's going to beat me scary way. In a, you never knew what was going to, you always had to be on guard. He was one of the very functional alcoholics, extremely successful, professional. He earned good money. He was an engineer. He six to six, you know, I mean, he worked a lot of hours. He was very, very productive, very responsible, always did all the right things. Mm -hmm. Good guy. Was very perfectionist. Maybe that's why he was an alcoholic because he was such a perfectionist about, you know, getting things done and getting them right. I I don't know. It's a family thing for him, or it was his father and brother are both alcoholics as well. Severe alcohol. You know, it's a family thing. Allison used the word functional alcoholic. And if we take a look at what that means, I read a study a number of years ago that said about 65% of the people in America do not have any like any addiction tendencies. And then that study also said that 27% of people were actually functioning addicts and then 8% of the people were non-functioning or you know they they were addicts that it, it literally consumed their life. So you would say that your ex was probably one of those twenty seven percent. Correct. He would get up in the morning and go to work and you know shovel the driveway and do all the stuff, grab his lunch and drive two hours. But the second he left work, most of the time he'd grab a tall boy on the way home at the liquor store, drink it on the way home on his commute. As far as I know, um, he said he didn't, but I found a bunch in his trunk. So who knows, right? The hiding the alcohol is a big thing for alcoholics. And then would proceed to drink for the rest of the evening until he would fall asleep and pass out and wake up and do it all over again. So just one after the other after the other, like it was water. Yeah, I'll just uh, want to acknowledge a couple of things. First off, I, you know, as a recovering addict and alcoholic, I know how hard it can be. I think when you said the word scary, I get what you mean. You know, it wasn't necessarily abusive, scared, like in fear for your life, but you just never knew what to expect. And um, that's not a good way to live. I'm sure it was difficult to to separate and things like that, but that's, you know, obviously we make it really, really 
difficult to, uh, to, to live your life. And secondly, I just want to acknowledge, you know, you, what you said about how your uh, ex-husband died of alcohol-related issues. And that's the thing. This disease will kill us. And that's one thing. That's the gravity of what this is. And that's why we do this. And we want to support other people that are in positions like you were and really even like you are now where you still probably have to deal with the aftermath of what alcohol did. You know, you have kids, you have all of these things. And and this didn't, when he passed away, the effect of alcohol didn't just stop. I mean, you're, you're still dealing with that every day. So I, I just want to acknowledge that that's, that's not easy. And um, being with an alcoholic for that long, you're a very strong and, and brave woman. So thankful for that. Thank you. Yeah. I'll touch on a little bit of that. So we had some marital problems. Of course, you're going to have marital problems, whether people are addicts or not. Early on in our marriage, after I had children and he became focused on work and I was focused on the kids, we kind of drifted apart. We had an altercation, a really bad falling out. I ended up going outside of my marriage and we tried to repair the situation. So we went to a family counselor and she told him that part of the reason I went outside the marriage is because I wasn't getting that intimacy from him because of the alcoholism. And even though I'm not saying that that was the reason, that was just a part of it because I take full responsibility on what I did because I did what I did. When he heard that component of it, that he would have to start talking about his alcoholism. He shut that down and said that if he had to choose between me and alcohol, he was going to choose alcohol. And that if I didn't like that, I could leave. So wow. And did you actually leave? No. So the deciding factor for me to stay was my children were three and five, and I had always wanted to be a stay at home mom and be with my children. And I fast forwarded my life in my head and said, okay, in the state of Connecticut, which is where I live, if you get divorced, your significant other has at least visitation, partial custody. So if he continues drinking and being an alcoholic, he's going to be alone with my children and drinking. And I will have no control over whether he gets in a car with them drunk or whether he's with them alone drunk. And what will happen in a home with him alone with being drunk with my young children? And God forbid something would happen to those children while he's alone with them. I would never forgive myself for leaving him. So I stayed to protect my children from him. So literally, literally, so what I'm hearing is that you actually stayed in the marriage to make sure that your children were safe growing up. Yes. So I could be around that them 24 had to have quite an impact. It was what I had to do. And I, yes, I was being selfish as well. I didn't want to work because I wanted to be home with my children. I mean, that was my dream in life was to be home with my children. And I knew I was going to have to support a family if I left him as well. That was another component. So how were your children impacted by having an alcoholic father? And how are they impacted even today? Actually, it was my son's birthday two days ago. So the three of us went out to dinner alone and we had a discussion about this. My son and my ex had a good relationship. You know, they they talked and my son is very inquisitive. So he would ask him questions and he would really want to get to know his father. My daughter's very not as outgoing. Like if people want to talk to her, she expects them to start a conversation. 
tell her whatever they want to tell her, but she doesn't ask questions. So she didn't really get to know him to the extent that my son did. So she feels like she really missed out on having any kind of relationship with him because the only time he would really get to know people or talk to people was when he had been drinking. Then he would start opening up. He was very quiet into himself when he was sober. Um, when he would drink, he would get boisterous or he'd get obnoxious or he'd get opinionated, depending on the day and the mood or whatever it was. He would talk a lot more when he was drinking. So you'd kind of get to know him a little bit because he would open up, get a little bit more vulnerable. She would drink with him sometimes when she got older. So, and she said that was some of the best conversations because they were both drinking and they could both open up. Subsequently, she developed a drinking problem. She has since gotten sober and she's been sober over a year. Yeah, she got sober about a month after he died. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, that was that was a bomb that you dropped on us. That's really uh, yeah. That's, yeah. That yeah. was uh, I didn't wow. know that part. Jim, you, you left that part out. First off, that's awesome. You know, sometimes tragedy for me, you know, it was things falling apart in my life is what led me to sobriety. And it sounds like your daughter losing her father, it, it affected her. And we have a choice. You know, I, my dad was a heavy drinker. I, and now that he's older, he's a pretty normal drinker. So I don't know if I want to, you know, we can't call somebody an alcoholic and all that. I always said I wasn't going to be like that. And then I turned out 10 times worse than him when it came to the drinking and, and things like that. I think that it's great that she um, made that choice. And it's also, you know, how how has that been for you? Maybe let's talk about that for a second, like where seeing her get sober and stuff. What was that process like? You know, it was totally unexpected. I had no idea she was even considering it. She just came out one day and she said, I quit drinking. And I was like, okay. That's really cool. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> My biggest thing with both my ex and my daughter was I never asked them to quit. Not once. Okay, no, I'm lying. So at the very beginning of my of my relationship with my ex-husband, when we were dating, within the first month, I said, I think you might have a drinking problem. You might want to, like, not drink. And his father flipped out on me because his father and him drank together. They worked together. They drank together. They were drinking buddies. So his father went ape on me and put a kibosh on that right away. <laughs> so that wasn't wow. uh, an option. And you still married him, even knowing that there was a drinking issue there. <laughs> yes, because he was 24 and he's still in college. And I'm like, oh, he'll grow out of it. It's just a phase. And he did. It, I I mean, he tells, or he used to tell me, I saved his life. If it wasn't for you, I'd be in a gutter somewhere. Having to be responsible at least made him the way he was, which was a functional, responsible alcoholic. And having me to take care of him and mother him, that was the other component of having an alcoholic husband is, I. it was like I had three children. So he was a responsible adult as far as the money and the career. But when it came to being at home, like if we ever went out to eat, I had to drive everywhere because he would be drinking at night when he, after he would go to bed, I would get up and check to make sure he hadn't cooked anything and left the stove on that kind of thing to make sure that 
everybody was safe. When we would have parties at our house, I never drank because somebody had to be responsible. (laughs) Somebody had to be sober because God forbid something happened and somebody had to go to the hospital. You know, you never know. So I was always on. I was the responsible one 24-7 taking care of everybody. Granted, financially, he took very good care of us. So uh, kudos to him. He was very, very responsible in that way. And I appreciate it to this day. But as far as being the caretaker and the mother of the family, he was like a third child in some ways. You know, this sounds a lot like what my, my wife had to deal with for a lot of years. And, you know, it's it's interesting hearing, you know, that perspective. And I've heard it obviously a lot of times. And 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 that from Rachel and from other people, but the volatility that you have to live with, and then that just constant like anxiety of like what's going to happen next is just awful way to live. And I, and I guess I just if I'm talking to people out there that are like me, and maybe you're still active in addiction or you're thinking about quitting drinking, just hear you know what's being said here and think about what you're putting other people through. A lot of times I used to think that this drinking only affected me. It's affecting me and that's me I'm destroying. It's all this stuff. But really the wreckage reaches very far and the ripple effect is very far. So um, I can just hear and sense, you know, fear. It was fearful every day. Like I, I have to be on, I have to be ready. You could never relax. You could never let your guard down, I guess is a good way to put it. And uh, that's no way to make people live. And that's what we do. And, and unfortunately, that's why we need to find recovery as addicts and alcoholics. And that's also why people that are, you know, with loved ones of, you know, or that are loved ones of addicts, you know, wives, husbands, girlfriends, boyfriends, moms, daughters, whatever, they need to find their own help and their own group of, of people out there to try to get help too. Did you, have you ever done any type of, did you ever try any type of group like that? Well, funny you should say that. My mom's an alcoholic. She's been in recovery for 40 years. And so I used to go to Al-Anon and Alateen and all that stuff when I was a kid. But I haven't been since I was an adult. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Dude, Um, this story just keeps getting better and better, better, Jim. I mean, (laughs) it keeps unfolding. What was it Mm. like growing up with an alcoholic mother? So was your biological father an alcoholic Um, too or just? No, no. My, okay. So my, my father left my mother when I was four and my mother didn't start drinking until after that. He ended up with custody because she, she was a violent, neglectful, abusive drunk. Wow. So it, it was, yeah. (laughs) So that was a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I'm not a therapist, but this it really makes sense how you you treat it. You know, you wanted to protect your children so much. It makes so, so much sense. And, it does. Um, and and it, it's not like it, it makes sense. And, you know, um, first off, you said she's been sober for 40 years. She's a dry drunk. Okay. So she doesn't drink, but yeah. She doesn't drink, but she takes pharmaceuticals um, that she needs. And she's still an emotionally abusive and violent um, alcoholic in her her brain. And she's 77 and she's not going to change. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a challenge. You've you've been through the ringer this. So you've been affected by alcoholism your entire life. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
you know, I heard a quote, and I'm I'm try, I'm hijacking you, Jim. Sorry, but I heard a quote that alcohol and drugs ruined my life, and I never even used them. You know, and that's the thing. Like that's what can happen. You know, where we it it's awful, and this disease is so awful. And I I don't know. I I just I I feel for you. It's not easy, and it all makes sense. And you know, I think that you you being able to be resilient and get through this and talk about it now is huge too. You know, the whole the whole deal. So thank you for that. And I think more people need to talk about it so that we can hear how our addictions affect other people. Well, and, and a lot of times, and from a coaching perspective, one of the things I'm hearing is you were the mother that you never had. You made sure that your kids were taken care of, that they were safe. That is the environment that you picked. And you also chose to stay with your ex-husband because of the way the laws were written and you were committed to change their childhood and their growing up experience to something that you did not have. So for that, kudos. And yeah, I did not know that your entire life had been surrounded by alcoholics. That is, uh, and, and today you are a strong, independent woman. You've been doing your own things. It's beautiful to see. Tell us about your son. He's one of a kind. <laughs> He's an okay. amazing person. He's an amazing person. He actually graduated a few years ago from Yukon um, with a poli-sci degree, decided to become a priest, went to seminary, quit seminary, and now he's going to be a barber. No drinking in his life at all. I mean, a beer here and there with his friends, but he does not want to be anything like his father was. As far as he wants to be the responsible part, he wants to be that stand-up good guy that he saw when he wasn't drinking, but he doesn't want to be that drunk man that he knew he could also be. Yeah. Th thank you, Allison. And I, I think to, to close us out, what would you say, and you may have to think about this for a second, no pressure, but what would you say to someone who's out there right now, maybe dealing with an alcoholic husband or an alcoholic child um, that's still actively using, you know, what, what would you say to them? talk to them. Try to get them to open up and tell you what's going on. Try to get them to share. Try to get them into at least couples therapy, group therapy, something. Just leave the door open. Don't give ultimatums. Don't push them away by being an asshole about it. Being mean to a, a person with an addict you're an alcoholic, you know, being a jerk about it doesn't help. These people are suffering. An alcoholic is suffering, an addict is suffering. So to pile on top of that anger and and belittling them for their addiction or, you know, abusing them because they're an addict doesn't help the situation. Giving ultimatums is not going to solve anything because people have to want to quit on their own. There's no, you can't force somebody to quit because no matter what the ultimatum, they're going to keep drinking. They're going to start again because it has to come from within. They, they're not going to stop for you. Never. Allison, thank you. That's beautiful. You've been listening to Sobriety Elevated. If you like what you hear, share us. 
and tell your friends because it does impact the algorithms. And we do have a goal of making a difference in 2022. Allison, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing your story. And if you're out there and you're thinking about quitting, reach out to Kevin, reach out to Jim, reach out to somebody. Today is the perfect day for you to shift into your recovery and into your healing. Thank you, guys. And remember, like Jim says, create an incredible day. I love how you're saying that this year. Thanks, Allison. This year. I get to do it this year. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye.